When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Running back nation, what is good? Sixers, sickos, what is good? Thanks for being here. Sixers win. Uh, trying to get my yeah. There we go. Sixers win, and we celebrate when the Sixers. Win Sixers win without Joel Embiid for the first time this season. You know, that's all we've been hearing from the old head haters in the Facebook groups and uh, whoever else wants to be ultra negative every time you don't go 82 and 0. The Sixers can't win without Joel. Sixers win without Joel Embiid against an Orlando Magic team who. They've been surprising this season. You know, last year they had a lot of injuries, and then once they got healthy, they upset a lot of teams. They beat the Boston Celtics three times last season. Uh, This year they've been upsetting a lot of teams. A lot of young talent, a lot of good players on that squad. Uh, Not really much of a leader, I don't think, yet on that team. Uh, You know, when it came down to crunch time, they really just uh, didn't look like they had much of a plan and kind of rolled over and died, but they put up a fight, and um, they've been beating a lot of teams this season with those teams' star players. So for the Sixers to go out there uh, without Joel Embiid, without Nicholas Batum, who is still the best uh, getting Joel Embiid, the basketball player on the squad, aside from the Tyrese Maxey two-man game, um... Aside from, uh, you know, they go out there without Joel Embiid. They go out there without, uh, uh, who did I say, Batum? I'm still in holiday mode, man. My brain still might not all be all be here. But um, they go out there and they beat the Orlando Magic. It's a good win. It's a good win for the Sixers. It's a really good win for the Sixers. And the question being, you know, who can step up in the absence of Joel Embiid? You know, a couple of bad ones without Joel and the narrative has been that nobody can step up without Joel. Well, tonight, uh, last game, you got uh, Tobias Harris and Kelly Oubre stepping up, combining for 52 points, and they still lost because uh, Tyrese Maxey and DeAnthony Melton were uh, four for 97,000 um, on Christmas Day, which again, you know, Maxey was drinking the spiked eggnog with his uncles during the day. That's what happened there tonight. You get 23 from Maxi, you get 22 from from uh, Tobias, and you get 22 from DeAnthony Melton and the Sixers win. So you got nice contributions from uh, pretty much everybody. Um, and Tyrese Maxi led the charge. All right, Tyrese Maxi, early on in the game, saw the ball go through the hoop, and that helped his confidence. You know, that last game was just... Just couldn't buy a bucket. 
And once he realized he couldn't buy a bucket, you know, all confidence was out the window. Uh, tonight, saw the ball go through the hoop in the first quarter early, had the confidence, and had the quick decision-making, um, you know, around screens and just make a decision and go. You know, don't don't hesitate. Don't second-guess yourself. Uh, make a decision and go, and he did that a lot tonight. So Tyrese Maxey has a bounce back game. Uh 23 points from from Maxi and I I want to make sure I point out the fact that the Orlando Magic had the same strategy to stop Tyrese Maxey that the Miami Heat had, which is hey, Joel's not out there. Let's fly around every screen and double team trap him, make him get rid of the ball, which by the way, that's a lot of respect that other teams are paying to Tyrese Maxey. That's, so that should tell you something, right? Uh, let's go around every screen. Let's double team. Let's trap him. And let's make somebody else beat us. And so, you know, that's why you really only see Maxey with 18 field goal attempts in the game, 23 points. Because you don't want to you don't want to necessarily force things through double teams a whole an entire game when you have other players that could score. And uh, Tobias Harris stepped up and D. Melton stepped up. Uh, and the Sixers get a balanced contribution from the squad and take out the Orlando Magic. Uh, it was a, a bit of a dog fight for like three quarters. You know, the, the start of the second half, I remember the Magic cutting it to three uh, on, on some, some bad turnovers by us and a couple of wide open threes on the other end for, for them. Uh, Mo Wagner, I think, is the one that hit the three to cut it to to three right at the start of that uh, third quarter. And then uh, Tobias Harris had a little bit of a run by himself there. And the fourth quarter was all Sixers. And I, I want to I toot my own horn here. I predicted it. I said in the playback chat, playback.tv slash running back Philly, by the way, you should watch the games with us. Right when the fourth quarter started, I said, all right, we're putting this one away. And we're winning by 20. That's what I said. I just looked at the score a couple of minutes ago before I hit the live button. And we won by 20. The Orlando Magic completely rolled over and died uh, at the end of that game. And the Sixers kept their foot on the gas. And a couple of daggers. A couple of daggers. Two daggers by DeAnthony Melton. And one dagger by Tyrese Maxey. Two players that couldn't buy a bucket last game, had a couple of daggers in this one to put the Orlando Magic away. Tobias Harris, third good game in a row. And we got to ask ourselves here, is this trade value? Is this trade value Toby? Is trade value Toby back in the house? Is trade value Toby back in the building? Rumor came out just today. I still can't figure out exactly why the Detroit Pistons are, are interesting in, in adding versus subtracting, but rumor just came out today. The Detroit Pistons are looking for a scoring four, a scoring power forward. And Tobias Harris was mentioned in that rumor by Shams. And you look at an expiring contract, and you look at the fact that the Sixers have been trying to trade him for five years, 
literally just because of the contract, or maybe you feel like you could get a better fit. You could probably get a better fit for cheaper to give you a little bit more cap flexibility and things like that. So that's why they've been trying to trade him for all those years. And now he's expiring. Detroit Pistons are looking for someone like Tobias Harris. He played there before. You know, it's where careers go to end. He's been in the league 11 years, 31. Play four, play four years in Detroit and call it a day. <laughs> Trade value, Toby's in the house. You know, he started the season hot, uh, and we were saying Nick Nurse unlocked Tobias Harris. Then he just had some of the most putrid games against better competition. Boston Celtics game was was just wow. Uh, the Boston Celtics game was atrocious. And the past couple of games, Tobias has been putting in work. You know, he, he, he's he been getting up more. Th- Ever since that interview where, after a practice where one of the reporters asked him about why why are you only shooting two two three pointers a game you know and he made up some uh, he made up some BS uh, daily dose of Reddit please stop spamming the chat thank you um, he made up some BS in that in that post practice interview where he, about him uh, getting up a certain amount of threes and ever since then he's been uh, a quicker trigger it's kind of like did you did you really need a reporter to tell you that we need you to shoot threes, you know? It's a, it's a three-point shooting league. You're playing alongside uh, Joel Embiid. Floor spacing is very important. We need you to get up threes. I don't know why he needs a reporter to tell him that, but ever since that, Tobias Harris has been playing great. 33 points three games ago, 27 points last game, and he gives you 22 tonight and was... Uh, had a hand in putting away the Orlando Magic, also alongside Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey and the Anthony Melton. Tobias had a couple of buckets down the stretch uh, that put away the Magic also. Um, what else are my takes in this game, man? What else are my takes? Marcus Morris Sr. What did he finish with? 14. Marcus Morris Sr. With a 14-piece. And I remember somebody in the playback stream was like, I thought Marcus Morris was going to be the most useful player, the most useless player, I'm sorry, out of that James Harden trade. And I remember watching the highlights of him last year in LA trying to decide if he still has something left in the tank. And I was like, he looks like he still has a little bit of shot creation left. You know, he played 20 minutes a game on a Clippers team that was fifth in the West with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard missing 60 games. So he was doing something. Uh, Marcus Morris Sr., a Philly native, comes to Philly, and again, the Sixers, this Sixers team has just lacked a player who can just take the ball and make something happen with it, right? For so long, so now when we see a player like that, we're like, holy shit, what is this? What am I watching? I'm watching a player, I'm watching a basketball player catch the basketball, square up, make a dribble move with the ball, and get into a a mid-range jump shot, a shot creation. That's what I'm watching. We've lacked that role player for so long, and that's why we also love the addition of Kelly Oubre so, so much also, because he's just 
that guy that doesn't really need an offensive plan. He doesn't need a play run for him. He doesn't need a plug-and-play guy. Put him anywhere. He's going to take the ball six seconds on the shot clock. He's going to at least try to make something happen, and he has a little bit of skill in all areas of the game. He can dribble, pass, and shoot, right? Marcus Morris, same way. Marcus Morris uh, is is very bad defensively at this stage of his career, and I was saying that when, when Nick Nurse first started playing him, uh, namely when he started him against the New Orleans Pelicans against Zion Williamson. I mean, that was setting him up for exposure and uh Zion scored I think 34 points in that game all in the paint most of them on Marcus Morris and Mo Bamba in that game but I I just think that was when he first joined the team there wasn't a strategy yet and we and Nurse left him out on an island in that game I was saying look I love what he's bringing offensively if you can just once once Nurse gets a little bit more strategic with the lineups and maybe you know, where you want to put Morris at, what players are on the floor. We're going to try to hide him defensively a little bit so he doesn't get completely put out on an island because he just can't really move quick enough on the defensive end to guard uh, players in certain lineups in the NBA. I liked what I saw tonight. And Morris has that old school, savvy, just just looks like a a 50-year-old on the park. You know what I mean? Playing with all the youngins. And just kind of like the jab step, the pump fake, the real sly, getting under the rim, the double pump fake, gets him to jump and flicks it in. Like that that guy who doesn't have much athleticism left, but he's going to outsmart you because he's been playing the game for a long, long time. That's the vibes I got from Marcus Morris in this game. I loved it. Uh, he has such a fundamental pump fake dribble into a one, one dribble mid-range. So fundamental. Uh and he, he had the one today where uh, I said I said he's like the uncle at the cookout, you know, and he's pump faking and he's like, gotcha, nephew, you know, and then he lays it in like Sixers haven't had a player like that in a long time. And Marcus Morris is is bringing a real shot, real veteran savvy shot creator vibe to the team. And it's been great to see the past couple of games. Um, and he gives you 14, man. You, you got to love it. Uh DeAnthony Melton, 22 off the bench. Like I said, DeAnthony Melton and Tyrese Maxey both come out of a shooting slump. They were five for one million uh, last game. They both come out of a shooting slump. I, 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 I talk trash on DeAnthony Melton sometimes when I feel like he gets ahead of himself or thinks that he is, you know, a little bit of a uh, more upper echelon player than he is. I, 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 I think it's tough for him to be in a starting line up on an NBA team. He's just a combo guard that that would be a nice piece off the bench. So and and when we traded for him from from Memphis, you know, Memphis fans were telling me that. They're like, "You're going to just wait. You're going to hate him. He's inconsistent." And I'm like, "He's a bench player. I don't expect I expect him to be inconsistent. That's what NBA bench players are, right?" Then the Harden trade happens and it's like, "Oh shit, we don't have a shooting guard." And DeAnthony Melton has to be thrown in there in the starting lineup and it's not his fault. He's inconsistent. It's you know he he's not he's not in the right role right now. It's not like we built the team this way. It's just kind of the repercussions of of the James Harden trade that has landed us in the situation of starting the Anthony Melton as shooting guard. But when he's making his shots, it's all good, you know. And at the end of this game, the confidence to to shoot those two threes to really put the dagger uh, nail in the coffin, uh, you know, it was it was huge for us. And one of them stepped back through the legs, little little Allen Iverson esque. Now I'm seeing Joel do it. Joel's got the Iverson step back through the legs. DeAnthony Melton's got the Iverson step back through the legs. You know, maybe Iverson has been 
Maybe Iverson has been around somewhere. Maybe that's why these rumors are coming about. All of a sudden, you're seeing a couple of players do an Iverson reverse through the legs, and then the rumors are coming out. Iverson wants to work with the team. Maybe maybe he's been around and we don't know it. I need Allen Iverson to teach Tyrese Maxey hesitation left-right crossover, and it's game over. Uh, but Maxey had a return game. Again, 23 points, but he was really being double-teamed the whole, the whole game. That was the Magic strategy. Uh, not hard to tell that. Um, and to put up 23 while being completely double teamed around every single screen in every single situation, you got to love it from Tyrese Maxey to bounce back from the horrendous game that he had on Christmas day. Uh, you know, she just no hesitation shooting threes. Some of them were like questionable shots, but I didn't hate it because I just want you to shoot it. You know, I just want you to be confident. Um, driving and finishing, getting the and one finishes, yelling at the refs again, 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 I don't know where they're putting the microphones in these games, but I heard a very loud F word once again from Tyrese Maxey after a tough finish. I heard an and fucking one live on TV. You got to love it. He's grown up right before our very eyes. He's saying curse words on live TV. Tyrese Maxey is now a grown up and uh, he's here. And, um, you know, he's just great bounce back game for him and being physical Taking the contact at the rim, not complaining to the refs too much. That was another thing in the Christmas Day game. He wasn't getting the calls, but he was kind of relying on it a little too much. You know, we don't want you to turn into James Harden out here, okay? You're going to get hit. Sometimes they're not going to call it. Finish through contact. And uh, a lot of, lot of clutch buckets from Tyrus Maxey in this game. I loved it. Uh, love for him to be able to bounce back like that. And, and you knew it was going to happen because the whole it's a make-or-miss game. Game. It's not just a make or miss league. It's a make or miss game. When your shots fall in, everything else falls into line and just works a little bit better, right? When when your shots not fall and kind of everything went out the window. I had somebody on Twitter tell me, and I love Allen Iverson again. Somebody on Twitter told me, you know, the best players would find out a way to make it happen when your shots not falling and uh he said we both watched Allen Iverson play. And I was like, I mean, that's probably not a good, not a real good example to use when when trying to talk about how bad of a shooting night Tyrese Maxey had because Allen Iverson had a season where he shot 34% for the whole year uh, and averaged uh, nine for 24. So it was just a bad shooting night for Maxey. He bounces back tonight. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. And the dagger three in the fourth quarter, clear foul. Clear foul. I saw it from my house in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Clear foul on the on the arm on that dagger three in the fourth quarter. Splash. Didn't matter. Referees didn't call it. I want to say this. This was probably the worst officiated game I've seen in my entire life. But they were they were bad on both sides, so I'm not really complaining about it. I was we were laughing in the playback chat, like they were so bad. We were laughing in the playback chat. They these referees were not even close, not even close. The one challenge at the end, the challenge in the fourth quarter where Kelly Oubre gets bumped by his own teammate and flops out of bounds, and the ref at half court called it a foul on uh, Jalen Suggs, and he turns around like, what the. F- I didn't even touch him. And you see the replay, and I'm like, he didn't even get touched, and she called it from half court. She couldn't even see the play. The one referee, look, I know the one lady referee, the one that y'all, you know, you say is Luka Doncic's girl or whatever, the one <laughs> that he 
The one that he rizzed up, as the kids say, a little bit in that one game. I've seen her before. The other lady ref, I haven't seen before. I don't know if there was this was a tryout, if this was a, a, a training session. You know, hey, listen, we're going to throw you out here in a Magic Sixers game right after Christmas. People are sleeping. We don't know if anyone's really watching the game. We'll try you out, see if you can. Bruh. I don't think she made the cut because she, she was so bad. So, so bad. Um, and these referees calling technical fouls for a player just looking at him the wrong way is getting annoying too. You know, Patrick Beverly got called for a T. This is a this is a, an interesting one too. Patrick Beverly gets called for a technical foul for flopping on a Mo Wagner push off, but he's pushing off. So the referee is seeing him push off. Pat is is going back like yo, he's pushing me. He pushes him again. Pat throws his arms up and he's like, he's pushing me and she gives Patrick Beverly a technical foul for flopping. So you're allowed to push off. You're just not allowed to react to being pushed off. So many things about this game officiating wise, I didn't understand, uh, but they were horrible on both ends. So I didn't complain about it too much, but it was bad. They were calling fouls with no contact. And then there were segments of the game where it looked like a full on rugby match where players were playing full contact uh, rugby under the rim and they weren't calling anything. Paul Reed, I think, has the worst whistle in the NBA. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's whistle is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Kelly Oubre's whistle is bad. Uh, yeah, the referees were, were horrible, but they were bad on both ends. I didn't, you know, whatever. Whatever. It's just the, the NBA. Where do they get these people? You know what I'm saying? Like, how's the NBA? How are NBA refs this bad, dude? We got another spammer in the chat. I don't know what's going on here. Can you please stop spamming the chat? I don't want to have to block you permanently. I want to be able to read the chat and, you know, see what people are saying. Um, 278 in here, man. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. We do these post-game lives after every single Sixers game. These are live, uh, these are live on YouTube and Twitter. They are uh, posted in audio form on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you like to have it, you know, driving in your car to way to work or whatever, you'll want to hear my damn a voice talking about the Sixers game from the night before. You can get me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for being here. Um, good win for the Sixers. Good bounce back game for Tyrese Maxey. Tobias Harris continues the the uh, the trade Toby. To trade value Toby narrative. He continues. Let's go. You know, give me a uh, give me Bogdanovich from Detroit. I'll take him. I had a super chat up here that I forgot to read. I apologize for that. Amir Farrier, Farrier. Thank you for the super chat, my man. I appreciate that. Would you read? Would you trade for Dejounte Murray? Uh depending on depending on the the contract situation, I guess. I like DeJounte Murray as a combo point guard, can play on ball, can play off ball. I think the fit in Atlanta was weird from the beginning because Trey Young is such an on ball point guard, you know what I mean? And that was their idea with DeJounte Murray is that he can play off ball, but just an odd fit there. I think DeJounte Murray has been a little bit overrated also as a player in San Antonio and then the Atlanta traded, what, three or four first round picks for him. It would depend what the Sixers would have to give up, but that would definitely, if the, if that's the option out there, if that was one of the options out there at a 
a situation where you get to put uh, DeAnthony Melton on the bench then, you know, because I don't think he's a starting point guard or a starting shooting guard, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. It, w- it wouldn't be the home run that Atlanta Atlanta Hawks fans acted like it was when they traded for DeJounte Murray. I mean, they treated him like he's some kind of superstar. I like his game. Um, and I think Maxi being kind of the combo guard on ball, off ball, has definitely excelled as a as a, with the ball in his hands, but has always been naturally a player that can play without the ball also. And, you know, that, I think that's tough, but that's what you got to find maybe with Tyrese Maxey is players that are guards that are interchangeable as point guard, shooting guard, on ball, off ball, whatever. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Depends what, depends what you have to give up. Depends what the contract is. Not really sure what DeJounte Murray's contract even is anyway. Uh, what's up in the chat, man? Eastwood, did you change the awards? No, I didn't. I actually completely forgot about the awards. Thank you for reminding me. Player of the game. Who are we going with player of the game? Uh, Player of the game. I got to go Tyrese Maxey. I got to go Tyrese Maxey after having a horrible game last game on Christmas Day. Couldn't buy a bucket. Couldn't make a shot. Was two for 18 or whatever it was. Um, just a bad shooting night, whatever. I, I didn't think much of it. There's a lot of Sixers fans on social media that were just flying off the handle. I got to stop reading stuff. First of all, I got to block myself from every Facebook group. There's just nothing but nonsense in there. I got to try to stay off of Twitter too. I just, I read too much. I read too many opinions from random people. That's my problem. I gotta, I gotta stop reading so much nonsense. Okay. But anyway, I'll give player of the game to Tyrese Maxey because Bounce back game for him. Looked confident. Looked quick decision making. Looked, uh, you know, didn't didn't second guess himself at all. And in the fourth quarter, put the dagger in there. Put the nail in the coffin. The the three uh, on the left wing got fouled on a two. Didn't get the call, but uh, it was nice to see Tyrese Maxey come back with that level of confidence. And and uh, so player of the game is Tyrese Maxey with 23 points while being double teamed around every screen because that was Orlando's strategy. So keep that in mind, too. Yeah, he didn't drop 35 or 40. Orlando's idea or their strategy was to try to take the, the ball out of his hands. And he still gave you 23 on very efficient 9 for 18 and 3 for 6 from 3. So player of the game, Tyrese Maxey. Game changer. Marcus Morris, 14 points off the bench. Old school, fundamental, savvy, just that guy at the YMCA that looks like he shouldn't be playing anymore, but he's going to get buckets on you because he's doing it for he's been doing it for so long. He's going to outsmart you. That's what Marcus Morris was doing in this game, getting to his spots, double pump fakes, mid-range jumpers turn around over the smaller defender. Uh, I loved what Marcus Morris did. I'll give him the game changer because you need it. You, you need contributions off the bench, especially when Embiid's not playing. You need a, you need a deeper scoring output. So to get 14 from him was huge. Uh, Patrick Beverly, 10 off the bench, Patrick Beverly. I'll put, I'll put Pat and Morris for game changer. Cause when Pat came in, in the first, uh, Quarter end of the first quarter when Maxi went to the bench, it was interesting to me because I feel like the Christmas Day game, DeAnthony Melton had a much bigger like uh, point guard role, and he's 
just not a point guard. And and DeAnthony Melton shouldn't really be running ball screens and making offensive decisions. I thought uh, Patrick Beverly, and I don't he didn't play in the Christmas Day game, so that's probably why. So Pat Bev came back. I forgot that. He didn't even play on Christmas Day. So that's why we were in that situation. So Patrick Beverly's not the best uh, backup point guard in the world, right? He's 35 years old. How much does he have left in the tank? But games like this, it, it, and, or games like the Christmas Day game, when you don't have him and you're forced to run the Anthony Melton as your second point guard, and then you see today, Pat Bev comes back, and it's like, nice, nice, you know, nice. There's a player out there who's not Tyrese Maxey, who can run a, a half-court offense, take care of the ball, and be pretty efficient. So I loved what Patrick Beverly brought to the game, and it's, it's another another one of those things where when you play without him, you really notice it, you know what I mean? And uh, the running hook shot in the lane in the first quarter was crazy from Pat Bev. He did have you know, a couple of uh, wild turnovers in the first half, but I overall liked what Patrick Beverly did in this game. Um, I was laughing in a playback check because I, I just realized how funny it is to watch Patrick Beverly play because he plays with a level of just completely unnecessary anger 24-7. Doesn't matter what the, doesn't matter what the score is, doesn't matter who they're playing, doesn't matter what point of the game it's at, Patrick Beverly is angry. And if you haven't done it yet, when Patrick Beverly gets in a Sixers game, just watch him. Just ever just watch him up watch him up and down the floor. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He is just completely angry. And he looks like he snorted a line of pre-workout before the game. It's unbelievable the level of energy the guy plays with. It's why he's still here. It's what it's how he got to the NBA at 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 not being the most skilled guy who's also undersized that's how he got there that fire you know what I mean that willing that just relentlessness that that you can't stop me attitude he just plays with a level of energy and 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 fire just cracks me up because he's just tiny compared to most NBA players and he's just running around angry pissed off throwing his arms in the air yelling at the ref it's I love Patrick Beverly man it was such a good such a good addition this offseason such a good addition this offseason. Um, what else I gotta say? Paul Reed. Paul Reed didn't have he didn't have six fouls in six minutes. Shout out to Paul Reed for not having six fouls in six minutes. Last game, Paul Reed starts at center, uh, and he had four fouls in six minutes. I'm sorry. And Nick Nurse was forced to run uh uh, Bamba there at center early in the game, earlier than he wanted to. So Paul Reed came out tonight, did not have four fouls in six minutes. That was nice. Uh, was playing hard, defending the rim, had a couple of blocks. Uh, what was what Paul Reed's stats here, man? Did he, dude? And I lose the stats right when I try to. Eh, let me see Paul Reed's stats here, and I click off of it because I'm an idiot. Uh, Sixers Magic. Here we go. Box score. All stats. Paul Reed. He had three blocks in the game. I was right. Only two turnovers and only four fouls. And he put in 15 points. Uh, Paul Reed had a drive to the basket that, well, he had a couple drives to the basket and it never looks good. It always hurts your face. You know, when you, when you watch Paul Reed drive to the basket, he's just, uh, he's all athlete. He's all hustle and heart. 
He's zero percent skill. It's just the kind of guy that he is. You gotta love him. When he drives to the rim, it really looks like a dude who never played basketball before in his life trying to dribble the ball. Uh, but he had a drive to the basket where he somehow got to a floater that just oh, it looked like he threw a twenty-pound medicine ball at the rim, and it like dong, 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 clanked around and dropped in. And he did a floater celebration back down the court. <laughs> oh, Paul Reed, what a guy. But hey, 15 points, a plus eight. Like I said, didn't have 4,006 minutes. Uh, and again, it's not his role. Without Joel Embiid, he's not a starting center. Without Joel, he could get exposed a lot of times for his foul troubles or his inability to guard the rim without fouling. Um, and when Embiid's there, I still think Paul Reed is a, is a perfect just backup center, high-energy rebound guy for 10 minutes a game. I don't really think we have a backup center issue. I think we have a backup center issue when Joel Embiid doesn't play. Mo Bamba. What was, what was Mo Bamba's stats in this game? Put up a goose egg. Only shot one shot. Uh, he had seven rebounds. He had a block, and I've been saying that Mo Bamba can't guard the rim. You know he's seven foot one, but he, but he he struggles so much to guard the rim. He's just not he he's too slow and just doesn't come off as very strong. Uh, in this game, Mo Wagner beat him to the rim three or four times, just went right through and made it kind of look easy. But then he had a couple nice defensive plays. He had a couple of uh, plays where he held his ground and got a got a block. So I thought Mo Bamba looked a little bit better than he has. Uh, in recent games. Um, so, you know, can you do better? Could you do better at, at that position at, at, at backup center, third center? Yeah, you could probably do better than Mo Bamba. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but he wasn't, he wasn't atrocious in this game. Kelly Oubre, another, another stinker after putting up 25 last game, Kelly Oubre goes one for seven. The one that he hit was an actual pretty big one in the fourth quarter. Uh, Tobias Harris kicked it to him in the corner for a corner three. Um, but I love Kelly Oubre's energy from the jump in this game from the very beginning, you know, just playing with passion and heart and playing hard, diving on the floor. He had a steal and a crazy save, diving out of bounds in the first quarter. Loved it. He was a plus 16. It's because of the way that he plays and the intensity that he brings. Uh, the highlight of the game from Kelly Oubre was a block on Paolo Bancaro where I forget how it happened. Ubre got beat somehow. Paolo picked up a loose ball or something. I don't remember. Um oh Ubre almost got a steal. He he plucked the ball on a crossover, almost got a steal, and the ball bounced the other way. And uh he turned around, chased down Boncaro in the paint. And blocked him at the rim. If you didn't see that, just watch it on the highlights. His head is at the rim. It was a ridiculous uh, blocked shot. And he gives you the cancel block celebration. I love when Kelly Oubre blocks a shot and he gives you the cancel celebration. Uh, love it. What did I miss? Anything I missed? You guys let me know in the chat, man. Let's look at the chat. Let's talk about it. Let's read the chat. Let's re Let's respond to it. What are you guys up to? How are you feeling? How do you feel about the Sixers? How do you feel about this game? Give me your hot takes. Give me your opinions. Now I lost the chat. 
there it is. Um, H.C. Gonzaga. Ubre's defense has been good. You got to watch when you abbreviate defense, where you, where you put it in a sentence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ubre's defense has been good. Very noticeable versus Heat last game when we made the run. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. He, he He's a better defender than I thought he was. He's a better defender than I remember him being from just the the games that I saw him play throughout his career. Um, A says, I feel tired. Well, I mean, you don't even need to, I don't know, buddy, you know, drink a beer and go to sleep or something. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, <laughs> Ubre was good defensively. Yes. Uh, HC, we need to replace Toby with a connective passer who can shoot volume threes and not be too negative on defense. Ah, uh, Nicholas Batum, it sounds like. That's exactly who we need to replace him with. Nicholas Batum. That's exactly who Nicholas Batum is. Clone Batum. I think we just need to play Batum at the four. Look, Maxi, say you do somehow trade for, I don't know about DeJounte Murray, but if, you know, Murray or some other combo guard who's just flat out more skilled than DeAnthony Melton, Maxi. Brogdon, we'll say. I don't know if he's available for trade, but Ubre, Batum, and B. I like that starting lineup better than I do uh, with Tobias Harris, you know, shoved in there in the middle. I just, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what, we'll see what uh, Daryl Morey ends up doing. What type of player do you think we're missing to really compete for the chip? Two players, two players, uh, and I love Patrick Beverly, but um, a backup point guard that you can rely on, that can, you know, I, I know we compare ourselves to the Boston Celtics all the time, uh, but when you have somebody like Derek White who can just drop a 30-piece, it's annoying because we're like, damn, you know, it would be nice to have that level of depth. And then they, get, they even got uh, Peyton Pritchard back there. They have... So uh, they have point guard depth. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard. The Sixers need better point guard depth right now. Tyrese Maxey, DeAnthony Melton is not a point guard. Uh, Patrick Beverly is. That's that's all of your. That's your point guard depth. Tyrese Maxey, Patrick Beverly. You know, so they need point guard depth. Somebody who could also be a high level defender would be very nice. Alex Caruso would be very nice. And I think. Uh, a 3 and D wing who can score on three levels. Uh, you get Batum back, man. I I, I like OG Ananobi in that, in that situation. I think the perfect situation for the Sixers literally is them being healthy right now. They get all their guys back, Batum and Bede. And you and Caruso and OG, I think that I think they're a championship contender. I really do think that. Uh, there's people that when we're playing without certain guys, say that the Sixers aren't deep enough. You're, you're playing without guys, you know. But when the guys are there, there's people saying this is the deepest Sixers team I've ever seen. It's a make or miss game. When shots are falling, we're the deepest team ever. When we're not making our shots, we're not deep enough, you know. Uh, we actually have the highest offensive rating in Sixers history right now, so take that for for what you will this early in the season. But 
I think the Sixers roster is is deep and is a lot better than most people think it is uh, when we are healthy. You got to be healthy. You're not winning anything. You're not healthy anyway. You know, that's what bugs me about the whole like, we're not going anywhere. We can't win without Joel Embiid. You're not winning a playoff series without Joel Embiid anyway. So why do you care if you can't win without Joel Embiid? You need Joel Embiid to be healthy for you to win. If he's not healthy, you're not winning anything. So who cares if you win in December? That's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at with it. Uh, They just need to be healthy. I think they are very deep. I do think that. Tyus Jones, I like him too. I like him too. Batum has missed a lot of games already. He's been great when on the floor, but is he going to be on the floor when it matters? You're not wrong about that. Uh, He had the... He had the uh, family situation early in the season. Then he had a dislocated finger. Then he had a hyperextended finger. And now he has a strained hamstring, I believe. So 34 years old, it does seem like Batum has some, uh, you know, nickel and diamond injuries, some nagging uh, injuries that start to happen, you know, when you get to 34 years old. That's right around my age. And last year, I decided to play basketball against a couple of teenagers in the local gym, and I tore every ligament in my right ankle. So <laughs> it's just about where you get. It's a very young man's game. Uh, as long as we're healthy, I think we're good. I agree. Korkmaz has to go. Well, Korkmaz, we've been trying. I mean, I don't think we try to trade him because he doesn't have any value. He's been trying to trade himself for a long time. Doesn't happen because he doesn't have any value. Uh you gave him a three-year 15 a couple years ago, which was a mistake because nobody even wants to pay $5 million for that guy. You can't get rid of Korkmaz. It just is what it is. Um, it was funny. The James Harden trade, Korkmaz requested to be part of the trade, and both teams said, we're not interested. So there you go with Korkmaz. Kenneth Adams, we got to get good high-level backup bad, but I don't think Maury is smart enough to see that. <laughs> Why not? Why don't you think Maury is smart enough to see that? Do you think Daryl Morey's gonna do uh like just be just be star hunting? You think Daryl Morey's gonna pull the trigger on like a a Zach Levine uh instead of trying to really bolster certain uh role playing parts of the team? Um I mean his history is big name, right? He put Russell Westbrook next to James Harden, he put Chris Paul next to James Harden, uh he traded uh Clint Capella to try to I don't know, open up, try to run a five out with Harden in Houston. They had Robert Covington at center at the time. That was crazy. So, yeah, I mean, Maury's done some crazy things throughout his career. Uh, but, yeah, I just think, a, I just think a, a better defensive backup point guard like Alex Caruso would be perfect, although the Bulls are trying to drive the price up and acting like he's worth four first-round picks or something crazy. A uh, couple of pieces. I don't think the, I don't think the Sixers need a star. I don't think the Sixers need a guy that thinks he's going to shoot twenty five shots a game. I don't think they need that. I think when they're healthy, they're a contender. There's just the thing that's glaring to me most is the thing that's glaring to me most is that the Anthony Melton is not a championship team starting shooting guard. That's just he's just there because of the James Harden trade. We had to put him there. If you can fix that, I don't know who it is. I, I I don't know who it is. But if you can fix that and move Melton back to the bench, I think the Sixers are are, are good, man. I think the Sixers are good. 
Uh, Peter, I think Daryl has done a great job. He's the best GM we've had since Pat Williams. Yeah, you could take that both ways. You could take that as just Sixers GMs have been so bad, right, in the past how many years that you finally get somebody that has experience and has built uh, contending teams. Um, I thought Colangelo was actually pretty good. I thought Colangelo was pretty good when he was here. Colangelo is the one that put the team together that got the most out of Ben Simmons. Remember the end of that season where they won like 14 in a row without Joel Embiid and uh, they had just Ben Simmons running the floor with shooters all around the Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova and JJ Redick. And so I actually think Colangelo gets a little bit overlooked as a, as a GM because he comes from a, a family that, you know, they built the Phoenix Suns, the Steve Nash days um, that won championships or one championship, maybe two. Uh, so I think Colangelo was actually pretty good aside from him just being odd and his wife having a burner account, which was probably his burner account. Uh, he had some kind of underlying hate for Joel Embiid for some reason. But I think Colangelo was actually pretty good. Got ran out of town because he got caught with a burner. Uh, and he, Thankfully, he did get run out of town because if that was his burner account, he was probably going to find a way to trade Joel Embiid at some point. So I'm glad that didn't happen. But, yeah, Maury, you know, look, man, he drafted Tyrese Maxey and refused to trade him. Refused to trade him for Harden, refused to trade him for Lillard, refused to trade him. That's enough for me to say thank you. Thank you, Daryl Morey. Did he did he overpay for James Harden and pass up on probably some better trade packages in the Ben Simmons situation because he had a man crush on James Harden his whole adult life? Yes. Yes, but, you know, you win some, you lose some. He's hit on some decisions. He's missed on some decisions. He's hit on a lot of drift. Daryl Morey's been great at drafting. Uh, Morey made me mad this offseason. This offseason, he made me mad, bro. Go back and look at some of my videos on what the hell was going on this offseason. I couldn't believe what was going on this offseason. I thought it was crazy what was happening. But it's because Daryl was refusing to trade Harden. And he wasn't doing anything to fix the things that we needed to fix. Signed five backup centers for some reason. Resigned Montrez Harrell to save Josh Harris five hundred thousand dollars for no reason, uh, and then last minute signs Kelly Oubre, and then somehow swings this Harden trade four games into the season, which actually landed you a lot of depth. Again, if Batum can can somehow stay healthy, uh, just the addition of Robert Covington and Marcus Morris has been huge for us depth wise. So you got some picks in the Harden trade, you got some depth in the Harden trade. Uh, and he signed Patrick Beverly this offseason. So, you know, he sat around on the Harden trade. He definitely did. Uh, but I think this team is in good hands once they, if they're healthy, come playoff time. Uh, and they just add a couple more, I just think, important pieces and not necessarily a Zach Levine, who nobody wants to pay $50 million a year for anyway, which is why there isn't much of a trade value for him. Uh, anything else? Oh, Kenny Lofton Jr. Hold on a second, guys. I almost forgot to say this. Kenny Lofton Jr. in his Delaware Bluecoats debut. 30 points, 9 for 15, 3 for 7 from 3, 8 rebounds and 2 blocks. I know it's the G League. And I know Kenny Lofton has multiple 40-point games in the G League. He does have a 40-point NBA game. Kenny Lofton Jr. debuted for the Delaware Bluecoats today 
and dropped 38 and two blocks. Um, and just kind of looking at his game and looking at the highlights, he he has a combo game that the Sixers might be able to use, you know? So we'll see. Any Anybody that can, uh, you know, spread the floor, catch and shoot, is worth a shot to me, and he has NBA experience, and actually in his first start for the Memphis Grizzlies, he, he dropped 42 points, and that was, was that, it was in 2021 or something, there was still a lot of COVID things going on, I think it was a game where no real NBA starters were on the floor, uh, but, you know, give the fat guy Bama's minutes, exactly, <laughs> just give it a try, <laughs> Uh, I would like to see something from Kenny Lofton Jr. That'd be nice, man. It'd be nice to see him, you know, after getting released from the Grizzlies, see him have a little bit of a a comeback in the NBA. Uh, it'd be nice for it to happen in Philly because it's such a blue collar city and we're such a we love the underdog, you know. Um, Maxi looked good tonight, DJ. I think he got his groove back. Absolutely, he's back. It's all good, and he was fighting through double teams the whole night and still gave you twenty three points on great efficiency. So. Shout out to that. Uh, that's all I got, man. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. Thank you for watching the game with me in Playback TV, playback.tv slash Philly. If you haven't joined us yet, you should. It's a lot of fun. Uh, listen to these post-game lives on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. Uh, I got nothing else to say, man. Y'all have a wonderful night.